talked a lot about last week, right? If you remember last week, we were in Acts chapter 4 as well. And we talked about how Peter and John, right, after they heal this guy, right, well, God heals them, heals the guy using them. The, the chief priests and the Pharisees and all of them are like, we got we to gotta get this guy, these people. We can't do anything to them, but we've got to threaten them. We can't have them going around talking about this Jesus because too many people saw this guy who has been lame for 40 plus years walk in the name of Jesus. So they threaten them, and they go, and, and they send them on their way, and that's where we pick up this story. And we're going to see that Peter and John go back to the rest of the disciples and the other people gathered there in Jerusalem. Also remember that to this point now, about 8,000 people have been saved, right? I think if my, if my math is correct, I think it was three and five, but go back and look. Whatever the Bible says is how many people have gotten saved to this point, right, through Peter's preaching. So the na- either way, the name of Jesus is spreading like wildfire throughout Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. This is not yet spread to the Gentiles yet, right? You might have a couple of Gentiles mixed in there who got saved, but this is mainly Jewish people who are getting saved. And that's what scares the Pharisees and the chief priests so much. They couldn't give a rip if a bunch of Gentiles follow after Jesus. They don't have power over the Gentiles. It's the fact that thousands of Jews are becoming Christians that scares them. And that's why they threaten Peter and John and send them on their way. So let's pick up the story in Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. It reads like this. Once I find 23, there it is. It reads like this. When they had been released, they went, on, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of, the, of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence and while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness with boldness. If you grabbed a note sheet, right, if you grabbed a bulletin, you've got a note sheet in there, you will notice that today's sermon is entitled that boldness. I'm going to give you the ending before we even begin. Church, let's apply it. Speak up and be bold. Now let's talk about how we get there, right? Number one of your note sheets. Number one of your note sheets. What first? What first? So we, again, I said we pick up the story of Peter and John. They've healed this guy. The chief priests and the Pharisees and everybody has gathered together. They've threatened them not to speak. And we read in verse 30, uh, in verse 23, when they had been released, they went to their companions. They go back to their church first, right? This is not the thousands of people. This is the people gathered in the upper room, right? Which is uh, 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 around 100 if memory serves correctly. Still quite a lot of people. But this is the inner circle. This is the inner workings of the, pre, of the beginning of the church. They go and talk to them. They went to their companions first. Church, 
You are not supposed to do this fight alone. Right? We sang about the battle is raging, but the war is won. Yes, the war has won, but if you're won against 100, you usually will lose. Can God work? Of course he can. But he created the church, and we read, Paul especially will talk about this in his epistles. We read, you're not supposed to go this alone. Church, if the rest of the church doesn't know what you're walking through, we can't be there to help. I am not saying you should blab your mouth about every little thing going on in your life. Because in fact, you should not. Because, and nobody be offended by this, but the fact of the matter is, I do not trust every single person in this room with every single little detail of my life. I don't. And neither should you. Right? There are people here that I trust. And there are parts of my life that I tell anybody that wants to know. There are parts of things that I am walking through that I tell anybody that wants to know, right? Just as you should. But there are people, I call them, right, accountability partners, who know significantly more about my faith struggles and my sin struggles than the average person does because I trust them to help me work through it and to walk through it. However, and I, you know, I'll, use, I'll, use, um, I'll use Nikki, right, as an example. I asked her, do you want me to tell the church about what you're walking through right now? And of course, mom told you all about it. And she said, yeah, because then they can be praying for me. Church, that's what we're here for. That's what we need the church for. You've got to go to your companions. Right? We talk a lot about, right? Is it up here? It's not in here anymore. Um, we used to have a sign over there that said where faith meets life, right? Our, our motto at FBC New Milford, where faith meets life, right? That means you've got to allow people's, people in to see it and to work with you in it and through it. It does not mean you should stand up in the middle of church and go, I'm really struggling right now with this. No, no. How about you tell a couple of people and we work through it, right? But the church as a whole is here to help but you've got to come back and say. And Peter and John come back and they go, listen, this is what happened to us. We healed this guy and most probably everybody there went, oh yeah, we know that guy. We've walked by him for 40 years. We know him. We healed him, okay, and the people in charge got mad about it and threatened us. They told people. They didn't go, well, it's no big deal. We'll keep it hide. We'll keep it hidden in here. We'll keep it. They also did not go post it on Facebook. They told their church. They did not go blab about it in the town square. Church, if I may give you one incredible piece of advice this morning. If you're typing it into Facebook, perhaps stop, erase it, and go read a book. Most things should not be posted on Facebook, Twitter, or anywhere else. I laugh all the time. I'm going to use you, Jan. No, not that you post bad things, right? So for those of you that, most of you will probably know, the Philadelphia Phillies have been playing the World Series for the past week and a half or so, right? And after every game, I went on Facebook and posted my thoughts about the game. I think I was fairly cordial. I didn't say anything bad about anybody. I said I gave the Astros their props when they won. I gave the Phillies their props. I really didn't attack the Astros. I killed the Phillies on certain things. And one of my favorite things, I love it. I laugh every time I see it. I post a sports thing on Facebook, and Jan comments on it and goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. 
For those of you that have me on Facebook, I laugh at it. I'm encouraging you to keep doing it because I love it. If you have it all, I'll give you mine. I'll bring it over. No. <laughs> if, you're, if you follow me on Facebook, I post three things. I post sports things because I'm a huge sports fan. Way less than I used to. You would not have liked to be friends with me on Facebook in college. It was just all, all sports every day, all day, right? Sports things. I post things that I find funny. Not everything that I find funny. Because there are a great number of things that I find funny that I go, it's not inappropriate. If I wasn't a pastor, I would share it. But because I am a pastor and I am in the limelight of everything, in the spotlight, I should say, in the spotlight, there are certain things I cannot share. And thirdly, and most importantly, and if you notice, it is almost all that I post, I post scriptural things. I'm going to add something on to that. You all in here know, maybe, maybe not all of you, most of you will in here will know. I am, I was raised by one, and I am staunchly pro-life. You cannot give me a reason to kill a baby. You cannot do it. How many pro-life things do you see me post on Facebook? Very few. Why? Because all it does is cause strife. It does not, it doesn't bring conversation. It doesn't do anything. So I will post things on Facebook that are things like, Jesus is the only way. Does it cause strife? Maybe. But I'm willing to stand on that hill and take that strife. You want to come talk to me one-on-one -on -one about my views on abortion or taxes or whatever, right? We'll talk about it. My view on taxes are if they ask for them, you should pay them because Jesus said give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Now Caesar might be taking a little more than Caesar should, but we'll talk about that some other time. But the fact of the matter is be very careful. They went and talked to their church. They didn't blab it everywhere. Secondly, they spoke up. They did. They spoke up. They talked about it. And then notice the response of the people around them. The response of the people around them was not to give them cliches. It was not to, it was not to, it was not to say, we'll pray for it. They immediately all prayed in one accord. They were in one mind of prayer. Church, you do not all have to be praying for one thing, right? God can hear everything. He's got it under control. But there is something powerful about when a group of believers gets together and beseeches the throne room of heaven for the same thing. Whether it's healing, and that doesn't mean you get healed, but whether it's something like healing, whether it's something like this, whether it's for the money, for the roof fund, right? I'm just using that as an example, right? It's things like that. When the, when the body of Christ comes together and prays for one thing, something incredible happens. Whether or not God grants the request doesn't matter. But when a group of believers beseeches the throne room together, that's why we do our Wednesday night prayer meeting. And it's why, if you've been coming to prayer meeting, you will notice I have changed the way that we do prayer meeting. Only once a month do we all sit around and talk about a billion different things and all pray for our own things. Three weeks out of the month, we come together and we have something very specific we pray for, whether it's a missionary. One, one week a month, we do a missionary and a church in this area. And we pray for those two things. And that's it. One week a month, we call it warfare prayer. We pray for the month with the church, for the people that are going to be here in the pews. We pray for you guys. For the events that are going to take place, things like that. I can't remember what the third one is now. Oh, well. Oh, personal growth prayer. Well, thankfulness is I'm going to get there in a second. Personal growth prayer. We come together, and just as they do, we all give something God is working on our lives in. And then we pray for each other for that specific thing. 
And then on the months where there's a fifth Wednesday, we gather together and we don't ask God for a darned thing. We just give thanks. Just come out for prayer meeting. We have a good time. Just a plug. Um, not this week. Don't come out to prayer meeting this week. There isn't any. There's youth group. Um, you got to pray together. And when a need arises in the church, you come together and you pray together for it. I've challenged you with this before. I'm going to challenge you again. Never tell somebody, I won't say never. Don't just tell somebody, I'll pray for you. No, 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 no. Pray for them then and there. Whether you're on the phone, whether you're in person, whether God brings it to your heart, pray immediately. Because odds are you're going to forget later on. I forget, right? I'm going to be honest with you guys. A bunch of you guys in here, and this is great. Please do not misunderstand me here. Every Sunday, multiple people come to me with things to pray with, for and about. And I try to pray with you right then. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, and I miss out, and I forget, and that's on me. But there are times when somebody will be like, they'll come on Wednesday, and they'll be like, do you remember this? And I'm like, no. And they're like, I told you on Sunday. And I'm like, I apologize. I don't remember it. Remind me so I can keep praying for it, Right? We're, on, we're all human. I almost said we're not human. Um, if anybody in here is not human, let me know. Um, yeah, we're, we're all human. We're forgetful. So just do it then. Number two in your note sheets, because it's 1040. This has only taken me, well, that was 15 minutes. All right. Number two in your note sheets here. What for? As in F-O-R, not the number. What for? Right? So they gather together and they pray. Immediately they pray. So what are they praying for? They are not praying, notice, for protection. They never once ask God to protect them from the Pharisees and the chief priests. They don't do it. Why? Because quite frankly, our protection from the government really isn't that important. It's just not. In the grand scheme of it, it's just not. There are more important things. They don't ask God to deliver the government into the Christians' hands so that they can preach without fear. No, they don't ask for that. They ask for confidence to preach the gospel. No matter what is going on around them, whether it's a government that is pro-Christianity or against it, whether they are going to face, and I think they know, they are going to face massive persecution. Christians are going to be stoned. Saul, who becomes Paul, is one of the biggest Christian killers we read of in Scripture that's named. They are going to face hardship and trial and tribulation and they do not ask for God to take it away from them. They ask for God to give them boldness to speak. And notice verse 31. The place shakes and they are filled with the Holy Spirit and what do they do? They speak the word of God with what? With boldness. They ask God to give them the confidence to speak and God goes I can do that and I will do that. Church, you are never called in Scripture to pray for the protection of yourself. You can pray, right? You can pray like Jesus did, right? Jesus in John chapter 14, I believe it is, says, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but to protect them from the evil one. You can pray for that, right? Pray for your brothers and sisters. Uh, Dad oftentimes prays for it's a, a hedge of protection, or a hedge of thorns, right? And they are two different things, right? A hedge of protection is literally that. It's a hedge of protection around you or around the person you are praying for. 
A hedge of thorns is very different. A hedge of thorns is what you pray for when you are trying to cut somebody off so God gets to them. The hedge of thorns is what you pray around the person whose life is being destructive and they need to be reached by God. Right? You can ask Dad more about that later if you want to. Pray for a hedge of protection around yourself. I'm not telling you not to do that. If, if, if you pray for the protection of our Christians, our brothers and sisters in places like China and the Middle East. I'm not telling you not to ask God to protect. I am saying don't get so caught up in asking God to protect that you miss what God actually wants you to do. Because quite frankly, if you do what God has asked you to do, there is a high chance, not here, but in other countries, a high chance you won't have a very long life. Or at least a very long life on the outside of a prison cell. He doesn't ask for God to overthrow the government. I will be honest with you. I have prayed for this coming election harder than I think I have prayed for any other election. Most of you can probably figure out who I'm voting for on various different things because a lot of you know my political beliefs. I don't talk about them from the pulpit unless it's a religious belief that happens to be political, like I believe abortion is. But most of you will know who I'm voting for. But I'm not praying that you know, this person gets in office. I mean, I am. I'm praying that God's will is done. And if he decides, I, I told people all the time, because there are many people, whether you voted for him or not, whatever, right? There are many people who are not happy with our current president. Church, let me give you an incredible boost of confidence. He is exactly where he is supposed to be. Why? Because Roman tell, Romans tells me God is the one who puts our leaders in place, not you and me. And it has been that way since the dawn of time. God puts leaders where they're supposed to be. Which means God wanted Joe Biden as president. Which means God wanted Tom Wolf as governor of PA. Which means God wanted Donald Trump as president for the four years prior to Biden. And go back and all the way throughout history, whoever was the leader of a country, that's who God wanted there. Take confidence in that. That really, it, it makes me smile because I know God's in control, right? God's not asking you to pray to overthrow the government. He's not. Go vote. Tuesday, go and vote. You have an American right to do it. Go do it. Because most countries don't have that. He is saying pray for the confidence to speak the gospel. Not to speak your opinion of the gospel. To speak the gospel. To proclaim Jesus Christ, him crucified, until the day he calls you home or he comes to collect his church. I don't ask God for the boldness to speak my opinions. I've already got that. In way too many, in way too much. Ask my poor wife who has to listen to most of them. I ask God for the boldness to speak the gospel because that terrifies me sometimes. To get up and share what Jesus said, what he did. It's easy in this setting, right? Most of you in here, if not all of you, agree with me on the gospel. It's easy to do that. It's really easy when it's a screen that's between me and the person that's watching. It's way more difficult when you're out in public and you've got to preach the gospel to somebody who needs it. So let's apply this, right? It's 1045. Let's get out of here. Let's apply it. Number one, you should not be alone. You should not be alone. You should not be surrounded by a hundred people you blab everything to, but you should not be alone. You should have a small group of people, three, four, five people, that you trust. 
implicitly that you can go to and say, like, I'll be honest with you, right? My dad is one of them. I can go to my dad and say, Dad, I'm struggling right now with this, or I'm walking through this, and I know he's not going to go, you're a dirty sinner. Well, he might say that, but, you know. But I know I can go to him and go, I'm struggling with this, and he's not going to go, wow, I thought so much more of you than this. Right? You need people that can do that. That also, though, even if you don't go and talk to them, the number of times that he has gone, so, Sam, you're, uh, you're struggling with this. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And he's like, mm-hmm, you are. I can see it. And I'm like, mm, it's not fair. I thought I had hidden that one away. It's a very small group of people that can do that in my life, right? You need to have that as well. And if I may, they've got to be the same gender except for one exception that I know of. Two. I'll put two in there, right? My mom and my wife. There is no other woman that knows anything about me that I won't tell everybody. Because I'm not a woman, I'm a guy. And no woman, including my mom and my wife, who are both very wise people, can understand all that a guy is walking through. And gentlemen, if you think you can understand all that a woman is walking through, I've got other... you got to go back somewhere because you missed it along the way. Somebody didn't teach you well enough. Because you can't. There are times Maddie says stuff to me, and I'm like, so just do this. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, it's, it's pretty easy. You just, you just, da, 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 da. And she's like, no, it's not that easy. And I'm like, oh, it is, but okay, whatever. I've learned a very valuable, men, let me give you a grand piece of advice. Women don't want solutions. They just want you to hear them and then not, not, be, not give solutions. Which is very frustrating because I come up with a lot of solutions. My family, the men in my family were doers, were fixers. And it seems like we have all married women who are not and don't want that. It's great. It's great. Women, you need other women in your life that build you up, that pour into you, and you pour into them because men can't do it. And men, you need other men in your life that do the same because women cannot do it. My wife is my greatest source of comfort. She does not know every little tiny thing that goes through my brain that I'm working through. Because she can't handle that. Not because, oh, she's a woman and she's dumb. No, because God made her differently than he made me. And I don't know everything that goes through her because he made me differently than he made her. And there are some things where she's like, I just need to talk to a woman about it. And I'm like, go talk to your mom or my mom. I don't know. What do you want? I can't help you with this. It's okay. Don't do it alone. Number two, pray with each other. How many of you have somebody that you pray with on at least a weekly basis? Cool, I've got one. That's great. Your challenge, find somebody. Find a small group. Listen, if you want to count coming out to Wednesday nights as that, great. I'm going to brag on my grandma she prayed with a billion people on the phone, in person, all over the place, which was great, right? Find people to pray with. And lastly, lastly, speak up. Ask God in your prayer life. Ask him for the boldness to speak. Two things. Ask him for the boldness to speak the gospel, and then ask him as well for the opportunity to do it, for, for God to open your eyes to the opportunity, because the opportunity is there. Ask God to open your eyes to them 
and then the boldness to do it. It is so vital. Some of the people that Peter and John went and talked to, they're going to be dead in a couple of years because they spoke with boldness. Your life probably won't be asked of you, at least not in this country. Your reputation might be. Your job might be. Some friends might be. I lost a very good friend in high school because I spoke with boldness about the gospel. He didn't like it. We came to an impasse. Not that I was like, I can't be friends with you, but he was like, I don't want to hang out with you if you're going to talk about God so much. Okay? It happens. Speak with boldness. Ask God for the opportunity and then ask God for the boldness to do it. Maybe that person never comes to Christ. You don't know. Or maybe you end up like Peter who's preaching to thousands of people and they're getting saved. If that happens, I want to know because I want to be able to rejoice with you in it. Whether it's a thousand people or one. Or whether it's none and you just come and go, I, I had the boldness. I want to rejoice with you in that. I we as a church want to rejoice. I never understood the, this is a, I never understood the, bow your heads. Don't, if you, if you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, just go tell somebody. No, let's shout it from the rooftops. We're supposed to be excited and, 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 and partying together, right? Heaven parties, why shouldn't we? It says it. There's a party in heaven over one sinner who repents. Why shouldn't we party as well when that happens? So if you're either here or listening or whatever and you accepted Christ, I want to know about it so we can celebrate. If you have accepted Christ already, though, speak with boldness and go. I'm not going to give you a, I'm not going to stand up here and go, your homework, find one person and share the gospel with them this week. I don't know. I don't know if God will give you that opportunity this week. I don't know. If he does, speak with boldness. Because here's the thing, and some people have said this to me, they don't know. I don't know as much as you do. I don't know what to say. Great. Doesn't matter. God's not asking you to know everything. God's asking you to speak. We talked about that last week, right? Uneducated, untrained men saving thousands of people. He's not asking you to be the smartest person. He's just asking you to be the usable person. And you pray for the boldness to do it. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today. I ask for boldness for each and every person who hears this message including me, boldness to speak the gospel to the people around us. That when you give us the opportunity, one, we would see it, and two, we would proclaim the gospel with boldness. We know boldness does not mean shouting and yelling. Boldness just means speaking it. I pray for that boldness in our lives, Father. I ask as well that you would help each and every person in this room to, to grow a group of people around them, to uplift them, to encourage them, to point out their sin, but in a way that it's not, you're a sinner. But uh, hey, I see this. Let me help you spur you on towards righteousness as you spur me on. I thank you that you didn't ask us to do this alone. You gave us a body of believers to be with. Father, I praise you. I ask for your blessings over all of us this coming week. And it's in the name of your precious son, Jesus, we pray.